Podcast. I'm this week's host, Eddie Webb, and with me is Dixie Cochran. Hello. And uh, today is one of the weeks where we are sans Matthew. He has uh, wandered off into the sea playing his farty horn and every other inside <laughs> joke I could possibly cram into this introduction. He was, he was shouting, wrestling insults at people. Yes. Um, uh, but today, instead, we have uh, replaced Matthew with two people because it requires at least two people to actually replace Matthew. Um, so we have uh, Ian A. Watson and uh, Danielle Lezon. Hello. Hello. Oh, hi, hi. Ahoy, ahoy. That's, a, that, that's an appropriate greeting for today's episode. Hoy, hoy. It is. It is. Um, and we are gathered here on uh, time of recording. It is lovely uh, St. Patrick's Day, or as I to think of it in America, as uh, Irish stereotype day. Um, to... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. It really is. Okay. Wow. So, absolutely. So because we haven't seen people very much this year, I had forgotten this joke was going to happen. <laughs> and there was a maintenance person in my apartment today mm-hmm. who said... I see you're ready for St. Patrick's Day because I have green hair. Yeah. Oh my and I, god. And I, and I always have to go. My hair's always this color. Right. Um, it, it's, it's been the color for years, but like I, I have been just long enough out of the public eye that I forgot I was going to get that joke. Right. So when I got that joke, I actually was like, "Pardon?" And then he was like, "Oh, your 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 hair," and I was like, "Oh, right, this stupid joke that." Old white men do to me every year on St. Patrick's Day. Got should it. Re- got it. You should really lean into it. You should be like, yeah, and you should see my pubes. <laughs> I don't think I would say that to a strange man. I yeah, maybe shouldn't, but <laughs> but I'm a troll, so you know. Shocked. I'm shocked. <laughs> I think that's the first time that pubes are ever mentioned on the Onyx podcast. So I'm a lady of firsts. <laughs> Check that off the list. <laughs> Welcome to Onyx Pubecast. <laughs> I am your host. <laughs> I was I was uh, hanging out in the chat for Monica and Ray and Danielle talking the other day on Bone Experience, and uh, oh my God. I, I, I oh called my it God. Boner Experience. Oh yeah. So I feel like I feel like the Onyx Pubecast is just getting back at me for that. <laughs> Honestly, we we got a little silly on that <laughs> recording. I am, I am so <laughs> stuns to hear this. It was it was good because uh, that was the first time the three Ray, uh, Monica, and I had all been like we did a deep dive together. Mm. Normally, deep dives are Monica and I filling in an hour on uh, the Bonus Experience podcast when Ray is like super busy and and can't do a recording. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll come in and just kind of bullshit to help Monica fill the space. And mm-hmm. so we were like, let's let's bullshit, you know, publishing, small small press publishing. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And but Ray was like, I'm available. So we're like, yeah, let's all do it. And it it was good. It was great. It was wonderful. <laughs> it's a good episode. Go check it out. It's a good episode. <laughs> so anyway, Danielle and I are ostensibly here to talk about adventure. Right. I, I was- yes. <laughs> I was, in fact, getting to that. But We're only also... three minutes into our tangent, and usually our tangent is 20 minutes. So, right, Ian, I know. you are jumping the gun right now. <laughs> Ian's a cruel taskmaster right now. <laughs> I want to talk about the thing I want to talk about. Was that, was, um, that, was that whip like an Indiana Jones reference? Yes, it was. Okay. Oh, very nice. Absolutely, yes. That's exactly uh, what it was. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, that's what I meant. 
Um, but yes, we are here to talk about the new edition of Trinity Continuum Adventure, which at the time you're listening to this, which is significantly after St. Patrick's Day, um, the Kickstarter should be live and going in has made, as usual, $75 million. Wow. Is wow. that usual? Yeah, it's a usual, <laughs> yes. I'm... That's my usual prediction. I go down uh, from there as the time oh, goes on. Oh, 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 okay, okay. You ever looked at kick uh, kick track like the first day you oh, launched Kickstarter? No, I know. Yeah, <laughs> kick track is kick track is so optimistic. It's like you're gonna get two million dollars. I'm like kick track, no, honey. <laughs> yeah, it always like settles down. So for, for, for those who don't know, kick track is a Kickstarter tracking website that tracks your like you know how much you've made over time, how many pledges per day, all that kind of stuff. But because on day one, all it has is the data from day one, it assumes that the Kickstarter will keep going at the rate of day one. So right. It just assumes you're going to make, you know, 50 grand a day for the next month. Right. And it's like, no, no, honey. <laughs> I've heard that it's calibrated on uh, board game oh. Kickstarters and not, say, Onyx Path right. Kickstarters, which, you know, fund like 700% in the first 20 minutes and then, you know, languishes mm-hmm. for the next 30 days. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's a definite curve to our Kickstarters, as of oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, most most tabletop RPGs have that kind of curve, unless you're a maverick like Coyote and Crow. Right. Oh my God, Coyote and Crow is doing amazing. That's so good. I'm so excited it. for them. Yes, no, I'm, I'm super excited about it. Um, but uh, 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 it was going to be a segue back to stuff, and then just my brain just shut down in the middle of that. that was <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> So anyway, adventures on Kickstarter right now. Yes, right. Yes. Um, and like I said, according to our our, our Kickstarter estimate, like you know, two to seven million dollars, um, that'll be revised downward accordingly. You said seventy five a second ago. You already revised see, down to two. See, right? I mean, it, it, it calculates down. I mean, just you just lost the seventy three million dollars. The kick money. track effect. <laughs> seventy three million fictional dollars. Yes. Seventy three so million mad. Dixie bucks. Dixie bucks. Dixie what dollars. What is the going rate of a Dixie buck to the U.S. dollar? Uh, a Dixie buck is equivalent to ten shrewd bucks. Oh, okay. There you go. That makes sense. Is that like a Doge coin? Oh no, not 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 nearly. Oh, okay. <laughs> Doge coin is a much more respected currency. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. So, uh, uh, adventure for those who don't know, um, uh, was one of the three original games of what we're now calling Trinity Continuum. Um, so, uh, Ian, maybe you can give a sense of what adventure was like before and where second edition is going now. Sure. Uh, originally, um, adventure was released in 2001. So we're a couple months away from the 20th mm-hmm. anniversary of that right now. Ooh. Um, and it, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so uh, it came out at the time that Aberrant and Trinity were winding down. Um, Trinity released its final product on PDF in December 2001. It was actually White Wolf's first PDF mm-hmm. release. Uh, Aberrant, I think its final book was in early 2002. So it was all, you know, and basically ending what was the Trinity continuum at the time. And Rich really really wanted this pulp game so he pushed really hard like i don't even want a full line just give me one book and eventually 
they agreed. And so uh, Rich pushed for the release of Adventure. And I still think it's the the best single book that White Wolf released. Yeah. Um, like it is just so mm-hmm. self-contained um, because they knew they were not getting any supplements for it. Um, and this time around, we're hoping right. to change that. Uh, the original edition was set in 1924 um, because uh, Bruce Baugh and uh, Charlie Bates were of the, uh, the opinion that fighting Nazis was kind of an overused trope at the time, and they wanted to sort of expand their options, um, just open things up to, to more pulp weirdness, so they set it in the 1920s instead of the 1930s, which is where most of the, the mm-hmm. source material is set. Um, Indiana Jones, The Shadow, all of that stuff takes place in the 30s. Uh, when we were talking about putting together the new edition, we said, we want to punch Nazis. In 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 the year of our Lord, 2021, we need more Nazi <laughs> punching. Thought, right? Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, uh, we decided to bump the timeline up. Uh, unlike with, say, Aberrant, where we shifted all of the events forward 20 years from the original 2008 mm-hmm. to 2028. In this case, we're still assuming that uh, the Aeon Society was founded in 1923, but instead of it taking place one year later, it's taking place 10 years later. So uh, it's it's a bit more of a... Um, it, they've got a little bit more experience under their belt, and it's although it's not in the same continuity as the first edition, it, it is sort of, in a way, it's like a sequel to the first edition. You can fill in the gaps in between those 10 years. Okay. Um, and, 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 I mean, given the way that the Trinity Continuum exists anyway, it, it's the it's not direct continuity, but also all continuity is technically true. So it was one previous spur of the Trinity Continuum that is true in its own right. So mm-hmm. right. definitely do all that fun weirdness. Uh, so uh, at that point is, is when we brought uh, uh, Danielle on. Um, and so... Danielle. Uh, Danielle, as as a developer, I mean, uh, how much did you kind of run with that ball? I mean, you know, did, is there anything that you brought to it? Is there anything that you're excited about doing on it? Uh, I mean, yeah. So <clears throat> when when I originally pitched it, you know, it was like, hey, let's revamp the the story of adventure, kind of like we did with Aberrant. But you know, Ian suggested we go like advance the timeline to 1934. Uh, which was actually really fun because it meant that I got to do some things with some of the allegiances from the core book where, you know, say, well, for example, the Aeon Society, which is this, you know, kind of the the one society that makes it through the entirety of the Trinity Continuum, <clears throat> even though it has different forms and different eras. In the Trinity Continuum in Adventure, it was the Aeon Society for gentlemen. It was a gentleman's club. It was mm-hmm. created by Max Mercer. And while there were, you know, people of different genders and people of different races that were said to belong, it was still this kind of gentleman's club. And so I was able to say, well, in its 10-year history, it it stopped being a gentleman's club. It started to be a more, uh, you know, kind of metropolitan club 
social club, well, not really a social club, uh, less of a social club and more of a focused allegiance that is Mm -hmm. not just out there, you know, being explorers, but having kind of a more strong focus and actively recruiting women, people of color and, and being more inclusive. Um, and with the fun kind of reasoning for that, why would something like that exist in the thirties? But Max Mercer, who we all know is a a time traveling savant Mm -hmm. has seen the future. Spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, has seen the future (gasps) and he, he knows what the future looks like. And so he's ready to kind of herald that, the future where he sees, you know, women in the workforce in, in strong numbers and, you know, uh, you know, uh, our first black president, you know, he's seen these things mm-hmm. and he knows what the future will bring. And so he, in a, in, in many of his attempts to save the future brings some of that sensibility to the present for him. Um, and nice. so we, you know, we can write about how the Anne society is one of the most progressive societies, even though, you know, progressive for the 30s still may look a little regressive to our own 2021 sensibilities. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most progressive societies because Max Mercer is trying so very hard to save the future. And that's that's a really interesting take because it's not a it, it manages to to thread the needle, I think, which is fascinating. It, it's not ignoring the 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 imbalances of the 30s. Um it's not retconning and saying, well, this stuff just doesn't matter for whatever reason. Um, it allows people to opt in or out of as much as they want to, while mm. also keeping the sci-fi weirdness that is not only a trope of the drinks of adventure specifically. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the things that, you know, was very important to me that we didn't shy away from the fact that the thirties kind of sucked for mm-hmm. a lot of people who weren't cis, cishet white men. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the 30s for cishet white men were still also kind of awful just because we had the Great Depression going on. And so it was kind of awful all around for everybody. But there was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of isms. There's a lot of, you know, racism, sexism, anti-Semitism. There's so much stuff going on in the 30s um, that for the most part, we want to kind of allow people to push against, right? We want to allow people to punch Nazis. And so you can't punch a Nazi unless the Nazi is doing white supremacist things that make you want to punch them. Right. Um, Like, so we can't ignore that those things exist. Otherwise our, our, our famous villains aren't villains. They're just people you want to punch, which is not as heroic as it sounds. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so, you know, it, it has to be there. We can't ignore it. And I don't want to ignore it because it's, you know, it's just, in my opinion, disingenuous to the era. Right. But what we can do is, you know, we can give it that pulp feel where we're not just saving the day because that's the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it is the right thing to do. But we're also adding the element of, you know, that pulp sci-fi uh weird science, you know, the reason that this looks more progressive and you're able to kind of play whatever you want in the 1930s isn't because we're just ignoring it, but because literally someone is a time traveler right? <laughs> and sees that this is what the future brings and is trying to bring the future to the present. And so we, I try in a lot of ways to uh, incorporate 
that kind of sensibility throughout other allegiances as well. Um, one of our authors created an allegiance in Africa that centered in uh, North Africa and you know the nations there that is essentially people who are inspired, people who are uh, inspired being, you know, kind of our talents <clears throat> of mm-hmm. the Aeon, uh, sorry, of Trinity Continuum Core has talents. And so uh, those are our inspired. In Adventure, we have the three Daredevils, Mesmerists, and Stalwarts, Daredevils being what becomes talents in the the Trinity Continuum era. I don't want to say the future because I don't want to like it. Talking about time in the Trinity Continuum is really right. Weird. Uh, <laughs> Tenses are a problem. The Tenses. Continuum. Yeah, it's weird. So anyway, um, the the inspired in say Africa, you know, that's not a thing that actually exists, right? That's not that didn't actually really happen in our real. But well, what if that did happen, right? I feel like you know, so our, our our author kind of envisioned this world where the, these colonized nations who are kind of struggling under European rule finally have a, a resource. There's tons of resources in Africa that the Europeans want, right? That's why they're there. But now we have a resource that we can actually keep from you. And so there's an entire allegiance dedicated to keeping inspired individuals in Africa, uh, in, in, African-inspired individuals in Africa and not letting mm-hmm. the European colonizers steal that resource as well. And mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing, right? Because if you're playing this, there's so many there's so many things you can explore and also just be like cool person with cool powers. I want to be a cool person. Yeah, I'd be a cool person. <laughs> you are a cool person, Dixie. I don't have cool powers. That's what you should have said. <laughs> you can work on that. You can, you can work you know, on cool powers. Irradiate yourself. Um, <laughs> no, no, stand next to nuclear reactors. Uh, Get okay, bit by a radioactive spider. Slime. Okay. Yes. I'm taking all these suggestions on board, and I will do them all at once. <laughs> yes. That, that gives you the highest amount of success of, of getting cool powers. I'm going to stand next to a nuclear reactor with a radioactive spider eating some kind of radioactive slime. Right. Yeah. While cosmic rays. Yeah, no, that's good. Cosmic rays are important. Yes, good one. Yeah. Also, gamma radiation. I've been watching the MCU movies in order. It's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like chronological order, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. In a in a chrono order. So we just finished the Avengers last night. Oh. And now we're on to. uh, Cool. I think it's Thor two and then Iron Man three. Yeah. And then both Guardians movies. Yeah. Nice. Nice. It's a long um, so, watch. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, you mentioned the other two kind of uh, groupings, um, and that uh, Daredevils ultimately become talents. So what about um, uh, Mesmerists and Star Wars? Those are relatively new to the Continuum. Uh, they're new to the Continuum. I mean, they existed in first edition, so uh, and they exist in this edition in a similar format. Um, our Stalwarts are kind of physically capable um, and they track to in the future um, what looks like a stalwart actually becomes a Nova. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't really explain that, um, you know, there's a lot of pseudoscience 
there's a lot of pseudoscience there. And also, um, there's some, you know, we all know about Divis Mal, who in Aberrant wants to kind of, well, he kind of believes that Novas are godlings and that they mm-hmm. should kind of rule the world. Um, and, you know, he's, the newsflash, he's always believed this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. and so in the adventure era where he he first be, becomes exposed to to the energies that turn him into a nova um he is the only nova and mm. everyone else is a stalwart and he doesn't understand why no one else is as powerful as him oh interesting um and instead of being an antagonist he's actually kind of a a pseudo ally uh, because he's still friendly with the Aeon Society, Max Mercer, all of these people. He hasn't yet had any kind of falling out. And so there's a, there's uh, what stalwarts are kind of not quite Novas. And there is an explanation as to why they can't become Novas in the adventure era. And the same with Mesmerists. Mesmerists are what will eventually become Scions, but they, they cannot and mm-hmm. if you are familiar with the uh, with the history of the world uh, in Trinity Continuum, you could probably figure out why not, and we we explain it in in the book. But um, it's it's beyond our control, beyond beyond human control, as to why they cannot get to their more powerful forms. So, if you want to find the secret out, you have to back Kickstarter and get the manuscript to read the secret secrets. Good. Secrets. Um, but that brings up a good point that actually, uh, um, uh, Ian, as you're kind of looking over the whole continuum, uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on because uh, in our discords, um, uh, someone was mentioning being interested in anima, for example, to go slightly off topic. Um, and they said, do I have to read all the other Trinity books to, to understand uh, anima? And um, I'd be curious, I mean, how do you feel like I, I feel like all of the games are self-contained, but um, do people need to know this kind of quote-unquote meta plots to understand it all? Um, how much does these meta plot decisions impact how we design these Trinity games? Uh, you know, how does this all kind of fit together? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't feel that you need to... Like, obviously, everyone uh, needs the core rulebook to play. So just u- using that base information... I don't think you need any other of the, the Trinity Continuum games to enjoy, say, Adventure or Anima. Uh, it's useful. Uh, think of it like, since we were just talking about the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, you don't need to know any of the other stuff that's been going on in the, the MCU to enjoy any individual movie, with the, the possible exception of the big team-ups like mm-hmm. Avengers or whatever. Uh, like if you're watching Iron Man three, um, you know Tony's been through something major, um, but you don't need to know the ins and outs of Thor. You don't need to know what's going on with Hulk. It's just an mm-hmm. Iron Man story. So knowing all that extra stuff might enrich your viewing of mm-hmm. Iron Man, but it shouldn't prevent you from mm-hmm. enjoying Iron. That Man. said, as a person who has seen some of these MCU movies for the first time. I do recommend enriching your view of things because it is cool to see all the pieces fitting together. 
Oh, oh, for sure. If you want to buy every Trinity Continuum book, please yeah, do. Do that. Because, <laughs> like, I, 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 I realized over this past couple of weeks when we started our, our big MCU watch through that I had literally seen Iron Man one, and then the Avengers. <laughs> Oh, wow, wow, yeah. So I didn't see Captain America. I didn't see Iron Man 2. I didn't see the first Thor movie. Um, so, like, now I had I had so much context in the Avengers. I was like, oh, hey. Like, I didn't know Black Widow was in one of the earlier movies. I didn't know that. I thought she showed up in the Avengers. <laughs> so, yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I definitely agree with Ian that you don't need, and especially, like, I think the Trinity Continuum books are pretty good at if there is this kind of like there's a secret, there's a reason why. And it's it's mm-hmm. literally stated in the Aeon book. Uh, like So if you read like the setting secrets of the Aeon book, you will know why. But we will mm-hmm. also put it in the setting secrets of the adventure book. We're not going to force you to to read through every single setting secret book, you know, for every single book to understand adventure. In mm-hmm. fact, you don't need to because I, you know, it it may, if you have read it all, you may be like, well, I already know all this. This is, how is this a setting secret? And it's because this is for this book. Right. And okay. this is this book's secrets. <laughs> I mean, comparing adventure to other pulp games that are out there, it might seem a little weird mm-hmm. because uh, we've got our, uh, because it's, it's set in the Trinity Continuum, we've got our divisions right. of the Daredevils, the Stalwarts, and the Mesmerists, which... Not every game is going to have that kind of that that split of of um, you know different character types, but right. it mm-hmm. makes sense for us because of the game that we're doing. Um, right. So, I mean, in that sense, adventure is going to be a little different than any other pulp game. But if you like pulp games, you should like this game. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. Is that, and I feel like you know, that's true for Aberrant as well, where Aberrant has some very specific things going on with it because it is part of the Trinity Continuum and a story that we're kind of telling throughout the ages. Or if you like superhero games, you'll probably like Aberrant, but it does do some things different than other superhero games do mm-hmm. on purpose. And I feel like Trinity Con- Adventure does that as well, right? We have this, we- this, I say weird, but we have the separation between you know the mentalist and the the you know strongman and the super lucky person in our mesmerist stalwarts and daredevils, which isn't something that other pulp games necessarily do, but it is important for the timeline of the future. But it shouldn't hamper your enjoyment of adventure to to have these separations. So I mean, and so what I'm hearing it sounds like is that, and you mentioned Aberrant, which is a good kind of nod to this um i have heard of people who took even first edition aberrant and just used that as their marvel or dc or whatever yep. superhero game um and it sounds like you can just say the adventure like you know if you really just want to play the shadow or doc savage or whatever it sounds like you can absolutely yes a hundred percent that was actually the main question i had was what kind of uh, pop culture stories are inspirations for adventure just so that's that's always i think a good way to like sell a game to people or like oh, totally. know, tell tell people about a game so when uh when we were at conventions in the before times and, he, and people would kind of you know gesture at like aeon i, mm-hmm. I would and i would go you know oh it's like mass effect kind of you can play all mm-hmm. kinds of space games with this you know right or you can play games on earth where there's alien contact so what 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 are those for adventure uh, well, I mean, I have mine, and I, I think Ian can also uh, add in some, but 
I think adventure is very much like the Trinity Continuum core in that there are a lot of different, like, first of all, pulp has so many different genres underneath it. Um, you know, there's, there's pulp sci-fi, there's pulp noir, there's pulp adventure, there's pulp, uh, like weird science and pulp Westerns and all of that stuff can be played with adventure. Adventure though is really a pulp adventure game. So that's why it's called adventure and not pulp. Uh, I mean, (laughs) Trini, could you, um, pulp, pulp. Please, please do not pulp our real books. Please don't pulp them. I mean, if you buy them, I don't care what you do with them afterwards. <laughs> well, if you pulp our rule books, and then you'll have to buy a second copy. That's fine. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so we're actually encouraging the pulping of our rule books. No, actually, don't do it. <laughs> don't. <laughs> so it it is. Uh, it is far more of the adventure genre with the splashes of weird uh, weird pseudoscience bullshit and uh, kind of high-flying action, lots of exploration, lots of, uh, you know, saving the day kind of pulp. Um, but we absolutely have space for pulp noir. Um, you know, there's the International Detective Agency, which is essentially... Uh, you know, we we name drop Sherlock Holmes as a member, and if mm-hmm. you want to play through Sherlock Holmes style stories, um, absolutely you can. Um, you know, we have some, we have an allegiance that's kind of a nod to Lupin, uh, the the great French thief. Yes. Uh, so you know, if you want to do kind of this, you know, gentleman thief kind of activity. Uh, you can absolutely do that as a game concept. Uh, so, you know, allegiances, just like in Trinity Core, in my opinion, allegiances really set the tone of the game you want to play, of mm-hmm. which allegiances your characters are playing as will kind of help determine what kind of story you're going to tell. Um, and not that everybody has to be the same allegiance. Clearly, you can mix and match allegiances. They work well together for you know, various different stories, um, but it's really open to playing through lots of different genres, and we give support for that. Uh, so, Ian, what, what uh, resources or what uh, inspirations do you think of when you think of adventure? Uh, the usual stuff, uh, Indiana Jones, clearly. Um, the Rocketeer, The Shadow, Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow, um, which mm-hmm. is underrated movie, fight me. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, D- Duck Savage, you know, the, the whole gamut of, of the popular uh, pulp tropes, it, it digs into all of that. I mean, any of those. I like, keep thinking the, of The Mummy. Yes, I was just yes. about to say The Mummy. Uh, first edition actually mm-hmm. specifically called out The Mummy, like, hey, if you want to do it, here's how. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't think we do that. We specifically call it out in this edition, but it's just as easy to run. Yeah, we... I mean, all of the things we've mentioned are pretty much in my media inspiration section for the book. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. All that good stuff. And and building from those inspirations, um, uh, we've talked even on previous podcast episodes about the fact that Trinity is ultimately a a sci-fi universe. And a lot of the pulps you reference kind of his inspirations does kind of blur the line between science fiction and mysticism um so what is some of the 
weird science, if you will, uh, of of uh, Trinity Adventure specifically. Okay, so I'm going to say some stuff, but I might get too deep, so Ian can cut me off at any time. You're, you're asking Ian to cut you off from going too deep? That will never work out well. <laughs> Only so that I can get too deep. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if Ian wants to take over and go even deeper. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so uh, so the, the, the main weird science of Trinity Continuum Adventure is telluric energy. Mm-hmm. And telluric energy is a catch-all term for actually three different energies it's just in the 30s they can't really differentiate between um what is in the future known as quantum energy and noetic energy and Mm -hmm. flux energy and so in the 30s they're just like ah we see this this source this wavelength and we call it telluric energy and we're trying to study it and we don't know how to differentiate these things um, and so there's a lot of pseudoscience around what telluric energy is, how it works, and all of the super science like death ray or special, you know, like weird powered robots or flying sky citadels are all powered by telluric energy. Um, as the the scientists, uh, the mad scientists or the wild harebrained scheme scientists of the mm-hmm. day. Uh, learn how to harness telluric energy um, for both good and nefarious purposes. So, uh, so the science of the game is all centered around these particles. And you know, I know when we were conceptualizing what is telluric energy and how does it work and and why, you know, how do we how do we back explain? how you know mesmerists and stalwarts and uh daredevils all have different powers and in the future become uh novas and scions Mm -hmm. we we kind of said okay well so you know telluric energy is these three particles uh noetic energy quantum energy and flux energy well particles are different things uh, anyway, so psi particles and quantum particles and whatever the flux particle is. I don't remember. Ian, do you remember what we called it? I think it's just called flux. Yeah, it's just flux. Okay. Yeah, so these things are quantumly entangled. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's why they can't be looked at differ- differentially. Um, quant- quantum theory is really just getting started in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Um you know, people are just now kind of theorizing about quantum physics, uh, and they haven't really fully explored its breadth and depth yet. In fact, mm-hmm. um, oh my God, I'm about to lose my brain of the scientist who came up with quantum theory first, originally thought that it was going to go nowhere. Mm-hmm. He had no idea that it, he was actually onto something mm-hmm. um, because, you know, we had Einstein doing relativity and we had uh, oh my God, scientist names. They've all fallen out of my head. I know things. <laughs> Max Planck, Niels Bohr. Planck, yes, Planck. Okay. Yes, Pla- Planck <laughs> thought. Planck didn't realize that his theories on quantum physics and what he was looking into was actually going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, he, But he, ha- he was absolutely onto something and then his theories turned out to be right. Or right-ish, I mean as far as they could tell from the thirties. Um, but that is, you know, we, we're, we're just looking into, you know, nuclear fission and, um, you know, none of that stuff is in the thirties. 
as well known as it is today. And so we, we decided that these three particles are quantumly entangled and that quantum entanglement defines the relationship between the people who have uh, the ability to kind of connect to these things, these particles kind of infuse them and they, mm-hmm. and they react a certain way. And all of the things that have happened in the past and all the things that will happen in the future um, through quantum entanglement. Um, and I have a really long essay about uh, how quantum entanglement, like pseudoscience bullshit about how quantum entanglement works in relation to telluric energy, but you'll need like a stretch goal to see that. Ooh, <laughs> nice. So if you hit that stretch goal, you can see my <laughs> ramblings and ravings. <laughs> If not, then just hang on on Twitter. Eventually, I'm sure it'll happen. I'm sure. That's <laughs> <laughs> all Twitter is good for. Right. Uh, but see, I find that interesting in the sense that the media that we're emanating from the time was doing just strange things because it was, was narratively interesting. And, and, and mm-hmm. they weren't scientists or necessarily from, always from a strong science background. And yet the actual real world science, like you said, at the time period is much further ahead than I think we give it credit for. I mean, you mentioned Planck, obviously it's like your quantum physics does have like 90 years of, of, of history to it, but we it still does. think of it as a very quote, modern science. Uh, and we also have people like uh, uh, Hedy Lamar inventing Wi-Fi or, you know, not much further ahead of this time period. Nope. Um, so there is a lot of, of real world grounding for what we're calling this quote, weird science. And so I, I find it interesting because uh, uh, the tone of adventure has always kind of struck me as half the half step between the damn near fantasy of the sci-fi of the original pulps and the the re- recognizing the real world accomplishments that were happening in science around this time period and going okay let's just go just a touch further. Yeah, I I think I like to think of it as the extrapolation of what real world science was already looking at. So. Mm-hmm. In, in places where, you know, we talk about quantum physics or we talk about, um, you know, relativity or we talk about, you know, particle physics or anything that was being, you know, just discovered or just theorized about at that time period and that we know a whole lot more about now today mm-hmm. and say, well, what if, what if it was even further and what if we just kind of hand waved some truths about it? that aren't actually true, but we decided they are <laughs> mm-hmm. to, to create this kind of fantasy style, for lack of a better term, magic, but rooted in these kind of real technological basis. So it lo- seems real, right? It seems plausible. Uh, I, I like that because I'm the kind of person that will watch a TV show or a movie and you know there'll be somebody especially police procedurals do this to me and i'm sure that if you're an expert in a field and you see it being represented on uh in media you're just like oh my god that's not how that works Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. but every time there's like a we ran a pcr and it took them like five seconds to do i'm just like (laughs) no no magic that's just magic and 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 i know that that's you know but it's it's so unbelievable to me that it breaks me out right. of mm-hmm. whatever's going on. There's a classic line in an episode of uh, CSI New York where 
you know, there's some weird hacker thing going on. And one of the characters goes, I'm going to create a GUI in Visual Basic and, re- and trace the IP address. <laughs> like oh, no. that that seems like an extra step there why 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 why, why, why are you doing that <laughs> i my uh my my ex-boyfriend tom still a very good friend of mine he uh he he was a, a nuke in the navy right and mm-hmm. his biggest pet peeve in movies was every time there was like a, a disaster movie that involved a nuclear reactor whether it was on a submarine or you know anything there's there's always some point where some junior guy runs up and goes, "Sir, the reactor is critical," but that 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 means it's working properly. That's, yeah. that, that, that's <laughs> literally like if if the reactor is critical, it it's it's on and it's functioning. That's, right. You 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 want the reactor to be critical. So like, I mean, critical in the sense <laughs> that it's important. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. so, like, I have actually c- corrected that in books of ours before. I like I like wrote to Tom and said, "What what would somebody actually say?" Right, mm-hmm. and and he like told me that like that thing. But like every time we, we we would watch like some like bad sci fi movie, and somebody would do that, and Tom was like, "So it's working? It's working fine then, right? Okay, <laughs> all right, fine." Oh yeah, I have a friend who's a nuclear physicist, and we were walk like not together because Chernobyl came out kind of in the you know quarantine times but you know we were doing these kind of watch sessions of chernobyl and uh like you know we watch an episode and then he would get on facebook or twitter and be like and this is why this episode sucked (laughs) 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 it's like i need everybody to know that chernobyl is fantasy right you're not actually watching what actually happened it's a extrapolation it's historical fiction like cool 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 um, it's similar. Um, um, my wife, Michelle, is a physical anthropologist. She has her master's degree in studying uh, uh, remains, uh, specifically uh, 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 skeletal remains. Mm-hmm. And I remember very vividly um, as part of her coursework, uh, her instructor made her watch an episode of CSI, any episode at all, and then write down everything that was wrong with it. <laughs> I bet she loved bones. Oh, oh, she has sworn so much. She'd like push play. Go five seconds, push pause, go fuck, and then write down something. <laughs> and see, I I love Bones because I don't have a background in that. Right. I think it's a perfectly fun show. Um, I do want to point something out, though, Danielle. Yes. And that is how much the quarantine times have fucked with our brains because Chernobyl came out in May 2019. Did it really? Yes. Jesus, tap dancing Christ. <laughs> You like said it was quarantine times, and I was like, no, because I watched it with my roommates in Delaware. I wasn't even living in Maryland at the time. Oh my god! Wow. Please, someone take me out back and shoot me full of history. <laughs> did you know that The Witcher was only a year ago? Yeah, I did know that. I didn't watch it. I did. Uh, I also like. I, I've lost all sense of what what is time and mm-hmm. you know i used to like yeah, it's a joke time is a flat circle now it's just like a my trauma makes you forget things right oh oh how about this how about this chernobyl the second episode i think aired the same day as the game of thrones finale i do believe are you kidding me? what it, it was it was the same week at least <laughs> what how is yeah. that even real? <laughs> the Game of Thrones finale aired May 19th, 2019. And Chernobyl, the first episode aired May 6th, 2019. So yeah, there's an episode. The The third episode of Chernobyl came out the day after the Game of Thrones finale. 
Dixie, stop using reality to lie to me. That's not fair. Wow. <laughs> Wild. I, yeah, I just... oh, anyway, man. so in which we in which we realize that Danielle has absolutely no sense of time whatsoever. I just like that we're talking about messing with time because there's a guy in Adventure who does that. Yes, right. there is. So um, uh, it's all Max Mercer's fault? It's all Max Mercer's fault. <laughs> it was Mercer all along. It was Mercer all along. Anyway, uh, Max Mercer is also a, it, it, to segue back into your question about the weird science thing, Max mm-hmm. Mercer is kind of our other hand wavy way of, uh, explaining some things. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in adventure. And one of the other things I want to talk about before I talk about Max Mercer. Uh, so mm. I'm going to segue this segue uh, is that adventure. So in the core book, we talk about uh, these strange places and spatial anomalies where like, you know, there's Francis, the octopus who's trying to go back home. Right. In the core book, right. my near and dear to my heart, Francis. Oh, Francis. Uh, so Hello, Francis. So there's these, you know, kind of weird places where there's this dimensional weirdness between or porousness between our current reality and some other dimension that's out there in the continuum. And these exist in the Trinity Continuum core. In the adventure era, there are so many more of those. They are, they're not everywhere, but they're in places and they're to the point where we we wind up detailing some of them and we will go through and detail even more of them as the you know as the line progresses because they're such a, an integral part of getting some of the weirdness into the game where mm. you know we have a talking gorilla how do we have a talking gorilla well a mm. lot of like the pulp stuff have talking gorilla because somebody scienced a gorilla and gave him the intelligence to talk instead in our game this talking gorilla is actually from a race of gorillas from another dimension mm. and so but it won't just be this one talking gorilla there may be in it there may be even more because they're starting to come over and you may even be able to don't quote me on this play one uh, <laughs> we did actually have a question about that on the discord people asking big playing <laughs> you do so. yeah i know um it, it's it is a thing that we have added to the stretch goals um mm-hmm is one of the things I want to do is create a set, like a setting strange place location book Mm -hmm. uh, that is a supplement to adventure. And in that book, um, and, and honestly, if, if you can't wait for that, here's how you do it. Here's how we will do it. Any, any racial, I want to be a weird thing. I want to be a, I want to be a talking gorilla or I want to be a Francis octopus or Mm -hmm. any, any of those. It's going to be a path. It's going mm. to be an origin path. Um, and it may work different from normal origin paths and give a, like, it will probably have special edges um, mm. that are specific to that path. So you need to be part of that path to get that edge. And those edges will define the special abilities that that you have for being one of those things. So if you really want to just homebrew it, that's how you would do it. Make it a path. Give it some special edges. Awesome. And now you don't even need the book. I'm, I'm done. Good I'm, job. My, good job. My job is done here. Danielle. <laughs> Thanks, Danielle. <laughs> did it wrong. Okay, Damn it. Everybody pulp, pulp this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then go back to the Kickstarter. Just stay unseen. I'm, I, I, go back, erase your memory. 
look, if you want somebody to do that work for you, we will. Right. That's all that that's all game writing is. You 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 have an imagination. We're just doing the work for you. There we go. That's a nice that's a nice way to, to balance it out. Uh, so we are getting close to time. Um, so is there anything either of you wants to mention that we haven't talked about yet that you're excited about with adventure? I'm just excited that there's a possibility we can finally do supplements to adventure. Yeah. Which is not a thing That's that exciting. happened before. I mean, technically we already have with the radio drama. True, but that's more for this edition. Yeah, I know. Look at that silver lining there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is that really a supplement? I mean, it's supplemental yeah, media, yeah. but is it like... No, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm... Uh, honestly, I'm really excited for everybody to see this book because Adventure is... You know, I never played Adventure when it came out, so mm. let's... um confession time uh <laughs> but having read through it having had a chance to kind of interact with it uh i i like really excited about this game um probably of the three core trinity continuum game lines this one is my favorite um oh, okay. i'm not supposed to have favorites right um and but normally I, and normally I would be all about Aeon. Like I really like Aeon. I really like sci-fi. Like that's super my jam. Um, but something about adventure and the like, I think it's really the the dimensional like weirdness, honestly. I think the, the being able to create like these kind of weird pseudoscience bullshitty explanations for other worlds and, and weird alien races that are actually just dimensional anomalies are actually is really cool to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it hits a, it, it like scratches an itch. I didn't really know I had until I started working on this. It's always, it's always fun when you fall in love with the game as you're working on it. Yeah. Not that I didn't like it before. Don't no, totally. <laughs> um, but there's a, uh, um, I mean, I, I kind of went through the same arc with Anima. It's like when uh, I first started working on it, I was like, well, I like cyberpunk and I like video games and this will probably work. Um, and then through the course of it, um, I, I really have I've gotten super excited about that. Anima is so good. We won't talk about Anima yet. <laughs> we'll talk we'll about Anima later. The future podcast where we get probably this exact same group of people talking about it. <laughs> um, It'll be fun. Uh, but, uh, but actually, that did remind me though, um, since you mentioned that you didn't really play first edition, um, uh, we generally have been trying to make these versions, these games um, uh, approachable for people who have never played the original edition, but also to have either Easter eggs or references or at least nods towards the original versions of the game so people who were fans can see something that they love and, and carry that along. Um, so probably more question for Ian, uh, but is there anything that people who were really big fans of first edition uh, might be excited about to see either goes kept or updated or added to in second edition. I think we've pretty much kept everything that was in the original edition and just sort of added onto it and gave us more. So if you liked the flying circus, the flying circus is still here. Uh, if you liked Enkidu, Enkidu is still here. Uh, you heard him in the uh, the radio drama. Uh, all of the, the good stuff that was in first edition is back, uh, plus 10 years. Um, and uh, we, we go a lot more in-depth on uh, what can be found around the world than 
uh, we got to see in the first edition rule book, which is a, a real treat. Um, but yeah, um, if you like first edition, you're going to like this one more, I hope. Exactly. Uh, so, um, Dixie, is there anything else that you wanted to ask, or did you get all the questions you wanted? I think I got the main thing. I'm excited for this, though. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I can't I wait to play be. it. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, Ian, if people wanted to ask you uh, more questions about adventure or anything with the Trinity Continuum, where would they find you online? I now have a link tree. Uh, we just mm-hmm. slash Von Aether. I've got all my socials and bullshit in there. So, head over that way. How does V O N? How does link tree work? Linktree, it's it's just a simple page with a link to all of your like social media or websites or whatever you want to put in there. So it's like a one one stop shop for finding where to find me online. So that's V O N A E T H E R. Daniel, uh, you can find me at uh, daniellelozon dot com. Um... I haven't updated it in a while, but it has links to all of my social media and some small things about myself. And uh, Dixie? As usual, you can find me at Dixie Cyanide on most social media. You can find me at uh, pegsteady.com. And from there, unlike Linktree, but similar to Linktree, you'll find access to all of my social media accounts. Um, you can find all of us hanging around at uh, theonyxpath.com. Uh, we do have an adventure channel in our Discord. So if you want to talk about adventure, uh, we've already had lots of discussion and speculation and, and uh, uh thoughts about the the radio drama at least and also what's maybe coming out so i'm sure uh we'll be talking more about it as the kickstarter comes along um definitely come by the kickstarter uh and check it out uh as usual um if you back it at a minimum level, you will get access to all of the manuscript previews as they come out, and they will be based off of the original Word documents, and it's pre-editing, so it gives an opportunity to kind of look things over, and if you see anything that's uh, 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 concerning or confusing, it gives us a chance to kind of adjust it uh, even after editing, so that way we can make sure that it's the best possible book when it goes to layout. Um, But uh, yeah, go to there, and also... Uh, full disclosure, um, it's not on Indiegogo. I'm saying Kickstarter. I'm not saying Kickstarter is a euphemism for a crowdfunding website. It is actually on Kickstarter. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> as we talked about with the Victorian Mage slash Mage 20th Victorian Age slash whatever we call that book. Um, Indiegogo was uh, something we're testing out for Mage. We may do more Indiegogo stuff, but this is going to be on Kickstarter. So if you're familiar with Kickstarter, it's going to work exactly like you expect it to work. So um, come check us out in the Kickstarter. Come swing by Discord. Come by our websites. Chat with us on social media. And as always, many worlds, one pathcast. Mm-hmm.